0: Shut up and sit down. Okay, welcome back to the NBA Finals edition, game 1 of the Limited Upside podcast. We're going to do a few things here that we're going to try to get going uh, in a reoccurring nature. We're joined today by, as always, my associate here, Mike Prada, and our frequent caller. So frequent that we want to make this a consistent thing. We want to do an every Friday with the very, uh, the very talented Mike Pina calling us from Los Angeles very early in the morning. So we appreciate that. Pina, how's it going, dude?
1: Good, guys. How are you? Doing okay.
2: Are you drinking your Matthew Delvedo coffee to wake up? <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this at eleven Eastern, so it's about eight AM Pacific.
1: I wish I had Matthew Delavadova coffee. Uh, I have brandless <laughs> coffee right now flowing through my veins.
2: Uh, nice. Well, well you're bit- not compelled to hit someone in the nuts by accident now, so that's a uh, oh, that's man. a good sign. I hated that <sighs> that had to happen.
1: Why
0: it have to happen to Delavado? <laughs> Yeah, uh, what a coincidence! Uh, it's so it's it's so bad, but anyhow, we're gonna get into uh, having Pina on the on the podcast here every Friday, joining us because it just feels right, and we love having him on. And then, additionally. Look for us uh, after each of these NBA Finals games. We're going to be doing these kind of like a little shorter half-hour-ish, but try to recap what's going on, our thoughts, what needs to be changed, etc. Uh, last night, guys, uh, Golden State won Game 1 at home, 104-89 comfortably. You know, 15-point win at home uh, in a Game 1 feels comfortable to me, at least. Um, and the two best players, arguably two best players on Golden State, Clay might not be, they combined, uh, Clay and Steph combined for 20 points total. Lowest all season, which leads me to believe that Cleveland did something wrong in this game if they didn't win, despite holding them to 20 combined points. Prada, what did Cleveland do wrong in game one that they need to fix in order to kind of get that home uh, road win, I should say, in game two?
2: Yeah, I, I tweeted this after the game, and rewatching it this morning sort of drove the point home. I I felt like this was Cleveland's Dorothy and Kansas moment, like, "Oh wait, we're not we're not in the Eastern Conference anymore." Like they were like kind of looking at each other, it was like, "Wow, this is different." Mm-hmm. And I just I thought that they played the kind of game that would have allowed them to beat an Eastern Conference team on both <laughs> ends, and it just it's not going to work against the Warriors. I just thought they're. Their defensive communication was off. They gave up like fifteen to twenty points just with kind of bad breakdowns and not. It's not even that they didn't. They they lack of communication. It was just not fast enough. The communication. It's like they're pointing and then reacting, and that's not enough. And then offensively, I thought it's very easy to say they kind of devolved into iso ball. And I think outcome wise, that's what happened. But if you Look at the way they they ran through the East. Like that's sort of how they won there too. They were able to have these great stars that drew two on the ball and just were able to swing it. That's just not it's not that easy to do that against the Warriors. They're just a better team. It's a major step up in competition. So I felt like it was kind of like they put the, they stuck their hand in like ice cold water for about five minutes, mm-hmm. and then they stuck their hand in in burning hot water and they couldn't sense the difference until too late. That's no, sort that's, of how I read that. That's a great that game. analogy, man.
0: That's a good one.
1: Uh, that's uh, you're bringing the the thunder and the hundred mile an hour fastball right now Mike I I can't really compete with analogies (laughs) like that this early in the morning Uh, but I agree with everything that you said Uh, the thing that really stood out to me was uh, Cleveland's transition defense was terrible Uh, they didn't really match up getting back there was that Azili dunk Uh, offensively I thought LeBron's isos were, for the most part, acceptable. He didn't really finish at the rim as efficiently as as you would expect him to. And he took a lot of weird... Or he took a a couple, a few, like four or five weird step-back shots that were kind of early in the shot clock. And then Kyrie's iso ball uh, really was atrocious and really difficult to watch. Uh, But the Warriors, defensively, I mean, as you said, when... You isolate against them, and you kind of draw to the ball and kick it for the open three. You can't really do that against this team. They closed out really hard on the three-point line, and there were a couple plays where LeBron would drive, kick it to love, and then a defender would be in his face, and he'd have to pass it off, and they would be 10 seconds late. There would be 10 seconds left on the shot clock, and it would be another isolation. So it was it was tough.
0: Did, do you guys think that there is some some sort of like an Oklahoma City bump that kind of occurred there in game one, similar to what Mike was saying about the, almost like a donut on a baseball bat where you're taking swings and and then you get into the game and the bat feels lighter without the donut on. Is that kind of what game one felt like? And there will be an adjustment by Cleveland in game two, but that Oklahoma City, I'm sorry, that uh, Golden State came out and, and played with the same intensity and speed as an overall team. Now they missed some shots. They missed shots against Oklahoma City as well, made the series closer. Uh, But, that there wasn't that same length, speed, intensity. This game felt such uh, like such a less intense atmosphere than the previous three games where they were playing for their lives, and it felt like it was fun for them again, almost like a, a regular season feel for the Warriors, and the Cavs were sort of blindsided by that. Do you guys get that same vibe, or was that just how I was sensing it?
1: So the one thing I'll say to that, I, I agree with that for the most part. Uh, I think that they made curry's life difficult curry had mm. uh he had some open looks specifically when channing fry was in the game for the brief blips that that he was in there and I, I want to talk about him a little later but i thought that they they were really conscious of curry and sometimes a little overly so and, and it opened up things for for guys like uh Iggy had an open three in the third quarter off of Steph just kind of scrambling into the mm. into the into the other side of the court and and uh, it was kind of like he was the decoy a little bit not not really but uh, you know he he would draw two guys off the ball on these cuts and Jamon Green had a dunk off of it um so-
0: Pina, question in in that little time capsule in the middle of the third quarter when uh, Cleveland made a run, they they started to look sort of physically dominant on the court. There was a great trap at like around the five minute mark, um, right around when they took the lead, where they had like three guys swarming Curry, and he made it, he ended up turning the ball over on the on the right corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just vividly, I remember that specific trap because it looked for that moment like Cleveland had figured out this not just like that's how you guard carry, but that was the level of, of intensity and, and uh, keep using that word, but just like a awareness of, um, the rest of the court, they needed to have. Everyone was moving as one, which I didn't see a lot of in this game. Um, is that something that they need to kind of look at and say like, well, we, we need to play in this helter skelter manner. Like they need to play faster ultimately because when they tried to slow it down, that worked for a little bit. And then ultimately was fool's gold.
1: I don't know if they have the personnel to do that, mm. to be honest with you. Um, mm. uh, and I don't know if they have the discipline to carry that, to kind of do what Oklahoma City did for yeah. 48 minutes. That's, I don't think that's Cleveland's thing, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. So pray to them. What is the thing that they need to get into to, to make this work?
2: Yeah, it's a tough one. I think offensively they've got to do a little bit better to add more movement. I, look, they're going to isolate. They have the guys they have. But it did feel like a lot of guys stood still. Mm. on some of those isolations. They've got to have a little more movement, I think. And you know, look, defensively, they're they're going to struggle dealing with all those decisions, but they just have to cut out the easy stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean that's yeah. what they have to do. I, I think that Pina's right that they sort of over covered Curry and Thompson. I mean there is you talked about the Dream on Green Three, but there's also mm. one play in tra- the play that Azili got a dunk in transition. The reason that was open is that three guys ran to Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. and that's sort of a little bit – it's sort of like thinking about it the wrong way. you know. I know the Thunder are really long and really athletic and that helped, but like the biggest reason the Thunder competed in that series is they just – they didn't do anything dumb. They didn't have bad breakdowns. I mean, Russell Westbrook had a couple of them in retrospect, but, I mean, those were hard to find. I mean, the cat – I don't think the Warriors had to work that hard to kind of create some of those breakdowns. And as far as a third-quarter run, I think – some of it was just their ability to put the ball in the basket and play uh, in the half court. I didn't think it was all that sustainable what they were doing then, if I'm it didn't, being honest. It, it didn't I think the Warriors it. were just a little sloppy, uh, but I, I think just – Adding a little more fluidity and and you know you look they, they should play a little faster they were a little bit too sluggish and slow but I, again I think all of that comes back to they're just it's just a step up for them and yep. it's one thing to intellectually know that this was a step up and it's another to kind of go out there and step up I mean we know that it's yep a different experience and I I just felt that was a big the big difference
0: yeah I mean look Cleveland had uh, 17 assists and 15 turnovers that's not winning basketball uh, Love and Kyrie were 14 of 39. For the game, and a lot of those were isolation, like feeding love unnecessarily three times in a row type. Yeah, can, I we, talk about, can I we talk about? hate
2: talk about that. I, I think that's actually sort of where the game turned a little bit. <laughs> okay. okay, so the they, they had their second unit in with Fry, this really dominating lineup, and this can touch on. I know Mutt Pina wants to talk about Ty Lue. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting topic. They have this lineup in that has been killing teams. The Warriors react very nicely. They keep Draymond in at center as a way to kind of negate Fry's impact. It's a very smart coaching move, I thought, by Steve Kerr. I don't think the Cavs were really ready. So after 30 seconds, they pull Fry and put Love back in, and now they're starting to try to pound Love in the post against some of those Warriors' wings. I think that sort of played into Cle- to the Warriors' hands a bit, and I think that sort of carried over for the rest of the game. I mean... I guess on the flip side is like if you're not going to let Love post up, like what is he going to do? I suppose. But I thought that was a little bit of an overreaction. I think that sort of messed up Cleveland's rotation the rest of the game. I mean, LeBron, I thought, played too long in the third. And then when he got taken out, and the time when normally that's LeBron in the bench, that sort of lost their momentum in the fourth, I just think that was a bit of an overreaction. And I think. That is sort of why Cleveland looked a little sluggish on both ends. It's just they were just pounding that isolation a little too hard, a little too easily. You know, yeah, I think they point. do this.
0: So in general, though, they have this this emphasis to get love into the game but it's an inorganic way they always try to feed him the ball in like sequences of like oh he gets the next two minutes and stuff like that and like love was missing around the rim despite getting where the the ball where they wanted him to have it and at that point and a lot of his shots he doesn't go straight up he's always fading even on his little hooks he's always going away from the basket and doesn't exude confidence or physicality around the basket and golden state despite not playing with too many bigs is so physical, man. I mean, they were incredible yesterday around the rim, everything in the paint. It felt like they had two seven footers in the court, and Draymond was playing center. Um, so I would say that Love just, for me, when they continue to feed him, it takes them out of the flow, which is probably the best place for them to get, you know, towards is is away from that forest basketball. Pina, you had some interesting thoughts before the pod. We were talking about uh, Tyloo. I'd love for you to uh, to have the floor on that. If that starts at the fourth quarter or if it's the entire game, uh, what were your thoughts on Lou's performance last night, his first NBA finals appearance as a coach?
1: No, I, I first want to start by saying I, I like Ty Lou a lot. I think he's a really good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously this is his first season on the job and it's difficult to kind of adapt to a team that you're not, you're not, when you're not in that role and you've never been in that role, but, uh, just briefly touching on the beginning of the fourth when LeBron was on the bench, that, that as you said, Mike earlier, uh, that's usually when they the Cavs come with their Braun, Jefferson, Shumpert, Delavadova, Fry lineup that has been destroying the competition throughout this postseason. And LeBron was on the bench, and the game just immediately got away from them. Uh, that lineup played like thirty seconds, as you said, a, I think to start the second uh, start the second quarter, and then uh, didn't see the floor again. And the Fry love lebron trio did not play a second in this game i don't believe and when we talk about the love isolations love isolating with tristan thompson on the floor and they're just helping off thompson they're helping off lebron uh, and they're recovering fantastically and it's made it makes love's life harder it makes lebron's life harder and uh, Mm -hmm. i just think fry can open up so much for them and if you're going to beat the warriors i don't think I think you need to outscore them is the thing, and I, th- I think Fry is a huge part of that. And it was really weird to see him only play seven minutes in this game.
2: Yeah, I, I thought just as a team, players down to coach, they weren't, they just didn't feel ready for the moment. They just, again, some of that is just a psychological step up in competition that you can't avoid. But I, I just thought Ty a little overthought some of that stuff a little bit. And then the players, again, you know, one of the, I think the biggest play of the game was, you know, Cleveland takes their first lead at, like, the four-minute mark. They've, like, really fought back. Despite their sort of lack of sharpness, they've gritted their way back into the lead. And then on that very next play, LeBron jumps out to switch on to Curry. Shumpert isn't ready for it. He slips trying to turn around. Draymond Green gets a dunk. I don't think the Cavs let again. You know, it's just stuff like that, mm-hmm. those errors. And, I mean, Ben, you call it intensity. I think you can call it a lot of things. I just yeah. from coach on down, I just don't know if they were ready. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, for the moment. I mean, and they have plenty of time to get ready. But until you're actually in the ring there, or you know, on the court, it's it's different. Right. Uh, the, the old Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth thing. But um, you know, I, I, there were a number of takeaways. We we touched on Kyrie. In our preview, we did with uh, when Paul uh, joined, joined the pod about Kyrie's defense go- going to be exploited. And it was exploited fully last night, um, and not even by Steph Curry. Only like one crossover three that he hit you know directly on Kyrie. But but Livingston, we made it like 20 minutes into this without talking about the Livingston. <laughs> this was the Sean Livingston game. Like you know both Mike should know by now as big uh, how big of a Livingston fan I am. And um the same jumper that he was hitting in front of Scotty Brooks to get the 10-day contract to get back into the NBA is what he was hitting last night consistently. Um and his pull-up game it was like when Steph Curry looks at the dot, you know, 30 feet away, pulls up and hits it. was what, uh, you know, Livingston looked like from 15 to 18. Um, but he was great last night. And Livingston and Iguodala together brought just such a great action, versatility to the game. Um, it really opened up the court. And that's when they made these runs. The bench difference was just uh, extraordinary. Um, and the difference between the Iggy, Livingston, Barbosa matchup against the you know, Schumper Del Vadova, uh, backup guards for the Cavs was was mind-blowing so when you have those types of 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 differences and you even saw golden state letting that play out even more in the fourth just letting the bench have an extended run because it was their best five last night yeah Um, so livingston you know shooting six of seven with defenders basically next to him three feet and in uh, having 20 points barbosa getting a perfect five for five and 11 points in 11 minutes like the (laughs) most the most efficient bench performance ever and yet Iguodala was probably the best player on the Warriors last night. No.
2: Uh, I would disagree. I think it was Draymond Green. Okay. But, Draymond was but, like, back, to-
0: back to Livingston. Yeah. It's,
2: it must be nice to, to be able to finally again go against uh, pl- players who are up to your chin after, you know, <laughs> with the Thunder, they're all, like, taller than you. You know, he just – it was he looked like himself again, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's – the thing with the Warriors that's interesting is that they have this like strength in numbers marketing campaign. And we all sort of grumble when they put Anderson Varejao in or overplay their bench, but it's clearly something they believe in. And I think that made an impact in this game. Just again, the Cavs looked a little tired and I think their starters looked a little overtaxed. And so there is that when they throw the bench in, it, it really is sort of the concept in action, the strength in numbers. It's, it really is so much more of that. Uh, they really,
0: they, they, Bring a new energy to the game. Obviously, it's easier at home, but. Yeah, so the the Hubie Brown corollary that we talked about before was like on full display last night. Oh, absolutely. All of the secondary players on the Cavs were bad. And all of the, you know, tertiary players on, on the Warriors were great. Um, so that, that will flip in, in the home version. could even flip next game. Uh, J.R. Smith was relatively invisible. That's a note I have uh, in my notes from last night's game. Didn't see much from him. And, yeah, Draymond's effort uh, was incredible. He played like a real center last night on defense um, and then had, like, again, his hands and arms were everywhere, deflections and pivotal moments where the Game could have swung where he gets a tip behind LeBron and then creates a steal that goes the other end. Uh, Prada, you said uh, that you thought he had the best performance last night. You want to elaborate on that?
2: Yeah, I just thought. I mean, we can talk about this. This is a whole separate topic, but it. We talked about it with Paul. It Draymond was really on the edge with flagrant fouls and with sort of outsizing his role a little bit, and he. It's a big test to see whether he can really. Fully commit again and not be distracted by a lot of the other stuff, but really fully commit to what makes him great, and that's sort of all the little things, for lack of a better word or term, and I think since Game 5 of the Warriors Thunder series, he's gotten back to all that. I thought he was great on the glass, he was very good on switches, I thought he moved the ball well, he set great screens. You do all those little things, and everything else will come. I think. I think since the uh, middle of the Thunder series, we've seen that come back, and I, I think that's going to be a real test. Pina is just can this can he kind of stay focused like that?
1: Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I thought Draymond had a fantastic game. You know, if we're nitpicking, uh, the one thing about him that kind of irks me a little bit is his when he takes off on those drives that are kind of a little bit mindless and a little bit careless, uh, either a little bit behind the three point line or even from half court where the guy his his man is clearly going with him step for step and he forces up a shot and then kind of looks to the ref and, and the uh, the other team has an opportunity the other way but other than that like yeah he was flawless he was he was tremendous in this game and i just want to quickly go back to livingston if i may oh uh, for sure not
0: allowed <laughs> <laughs> but we could do a full podcast by all means
1: yeah I I love Sean Livingston <laughs> so much and you know my dream is for him is that we collectively the first time that when when you when you hear Sean Livingston's name the first thing you think of is like key role player on a championship <laughs> dynasty instead of you know the 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 tragic injury that he suffered that was uh, kind of meant to define him up to this point um so he's just such a wonderful story and I thought in the fourth quarter I was re-watching Livingston's shots this morning and you know like you guys said he just kind of got to his spots and 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 rose up some of them were in the pick and roll and they the Cavaliers just kind of sagged back and let him attack Tristan Thompson and and Love and and Kyrie kind of fought over screens instead of got went under them and
2: yeah, I didn't I like that I, either. I I thought that was a a mistake by the by the Cavs.
1: Yeah, and it was clear. I mean, he he did not miss a shot in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and I think, I mean, you got to get the ball out of his hands at some point. So that's just another thing that uh, the in game adjustments from Tyloo were were lacking a little bit. But Livingston was great
0: he he had a few he does some great like old mark jackson type stuff but obviously he's even taller and longer than mark jackson was but he, he has the license on this team to do it immediately within the offense and just shoot it so you know my favorite thing livingston does isn't even the pull up in the in the towards the middle of the court or his little baby hooks it's just when he like casually takes a good pace to one side of the court he has got a great little post up like uh, his immediate post up is almost into a drop step spin move into his fade away uh, or st- or just straight pull up and by cutting the court in half, he's basically just going into like a two dribble one-on-one game with a four inch shorter person from a spot. He knows he can get a shot off. And the Cavs were letting him do that. Like pushing him towards there almost. It yeah. Crazy to me.
2: It's, it's funny how the warriors for most of the game are spread you out and try to go around you and just make you cover so much more of the court. And then Livingston comes in and it's like the complete inverse of that. And it's sort of <laughs> jarring how the, the switch and, and the Cavs are going to have to think about putting a bigger guy on him because the Thunder freely switched. They weren't. They actually let a, Anis Kanter guard him a few times. They just assumed he was a big guy, and just mm-hmm. the intellectually they understood that and they were able to carry it out. You know, the Cavs are going to have to think about. You know, because the Warriors just invert everything. It's just everything you think of a team. The Warriors just kind of invert it, and I just mm-hmm. again the Cavs just are were playing at what I thought was a fairly normal game plan against a normal team. Yeah, and I think that that costs them. They're going to have to get more specific and more and more
0: intense. Do you guys think that LeBron James uh, needs to be trying to score in the thirties, into forties, for this series to be effective? Uh, effectively, give him a chance.
1: Mm, I I don't know. I thought LeBron had a pretty good game offensively. I, I mentioned earlier he didn't he didn't finish in the in the restricted area like he normally does, mm. um, and he took some strange shots. But I mean. No, I, I thought I thought he did. He played a pretty good game. I mean, they were really close in the in the third quarter, obviously. And uh, going, back, I don't want to hark too much back to to the <laughs> Channing Fry thing, but I just think he he would really help LeBron. Um, they had the ball in his hand. He was kind of more of a pick and roll ball handler in the second half than in the first half. And uh, on those drives, to, he made a, a, a several drives to the rim where the Warriors could just collapse and kind of strip the ball, and and kind of re- the, the space was really close for him. Yeah, and and I just think that they they need to try to make life easier for LeBron and and playing Tristan Thompson the entire third quarter, <laughs> and then uh, I think he was on the floor for the first couple minutes of the fourth too, which is mm-hmm. just I. I I don't understand that at
2: all. Well, I okay, it. I understand it, and I think this goes back to what I actually think LeBron has to do. You know, offensively he was inefficient, but I think I think you're right. I think a lot of that was space. You just didn't have a lot of it, and he was trying to do too much. The, the domino effect problem that the Cavs have is that LeBron did not play the Kevin Durant, like kind of guard Draymond Green and roam all the way off. And just be a defensive monster role, and when he doesn't do that, then you need Tristan Thompson to do that, and then if Tristan Thompson is doing that, you can't play Channing Fry. You know, I think that's, that's
1: very true. I think yeah.
2: that's sort of the domino effect problem that the Cavs have. If they're going to win this series, I think LeBron's going to have to take the defensive challenge or just and just fight through the exhaustion. Mm. You know you. I don't think they can win the series with LeBron hiding on defense. I mean, I think that's the number one lesson because again it the, the ripple effect rotation wise is too great. You know, but if LeBron can take can play like Durant did in the conference finals and play that role, now you can afford to play Chaining Fry a little bit. And again you have you might have a little more space on the floor that will help LeBron overcome whatever sort of energy he loses from not doing that. So, I mean, to me, that's the big question that the Cavs need to ask. I mean, if if LeBron's not going to do this now, can they win the series? And, you know, if they can, I don't think they can. Like, what are we waiting for? Like, this is why you save him.
0: Yeah, he has to play more. He's played 45 minutes a game. Because he needs to be on the court. That right. beginning of the fourth quarter was, was brutal. They let well, the game get out of hand with him sitting there.
2: Right, but I, I think it's less about how, how much he plays and more about what he's doing. I mean, you need him to run around on defense and Both. be Both. a much more of a defensive presence. He can't... He can't. I, again, I think you go back to just not being prepared. In yeah. the East, you can sort of... LeBron can sort of coast a little bit on defense and turn it up only when he needs to. Like If they're going to win the finals, he, I think he's got to really take on the defensive challenge and then, you know, because you have the scores now and you have you shouldn't have to carry the whole load if you're LeBron on offense anymore.
1: That's, sh- y- yeah, I totally agree and you know, uh, last time I was on this podcast I, I said that I thought that the Cavaliers <laughs> were going to win it all Yeah, and you know, what, <laughs> we don't need to talk about that for much longer but I thought one of the reasons why I thought that was I thought that when LeBron got to the finals he would realize that this is basically it for him. This is, you know, he's not getting any younger. This is a really his potentially his last great opportunity to win a championship as the best player on a team, for whatever that means. And, uh, you know, with, the ba- with his back against the wall, I would assume that he would take on those defensive responsibilities that you talked about, Mike. And, and I thought he played decently on defense last night. And, and there were some possessions where he was on Draymond and he switched on to Steph or, or or they set a screen when he was guarding Barnes and he switched on to Steph. And, uh, you know, he he forced Steph into shots that Steph normally (laughs) normally makes, but just didn't go in. But I don't know. I, I, I agree that he could, he could have done better.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe a solution is if he can't do it for 48 minutes, maybe you have Tristan Thompson play 20 to 25 minutes instead of however many he played. This game, when he's in the game, let him do that. But then play Fry more, and then or during those minutes, ask LeBron to take on that role. I don't know. That's a compromise. It's hard to say LeBron didn't play hard enough in Game One. I don't think that's totally fair. But I, I do think that the Cavs need like a superhuman effort. I, I, I don't want to blame LeBron. That's not what I'm trying right, to. I just right. I
0: think that there might be an over uh, emphasis on what we should be getting from Love and Kyrie when we really should, at this point, understand that they're not going to be the supplementary scoring in the NBA Finals that they were against, like, Toronto. Um, Because DeBron might actually, the best chance they have to win, might actually be for him to score more points. I I don't think that he necessarily had a bad game. He almost had a triple-double and was pretty good. Um, I think he settled for some bad shots in the second half when they they started to get down. But um, I'm not... I just, I'm not sure that every team he's ever played on doesn't benefit from when he's ultra aggressive offensively. Um, And that that just might be the course of his career. Um, The the times when Miami, even Cleveland before, um, when he really put the team on his back offensively to score, I do remember him still being a juggernaut on defense. And that's why I'm having a little trouble. And I think you made a great point there. Like, he does need to lay it all out. They have two full days between each game. Uh, He was not going to be playing in an air conditioned, broken South Texas arena. Like it's it, he needs to lay because Pina, I agree with what you're saying, man. I don't know if I think he does fully realize it, but I'm not sure uh, that that there will be another time where he'll be on a team that's as situated. Uh, given the Eastern Conference was as easy as it was for him to get through again this year as it was now. Not only that, um, I, I think the other interesting component with this team is like they just did this last year with a new coach, and Tyloo will be back uh, or, or will be, you know interesting blame will be passed around if they do lose um and then there's the whole free agent thing looming after this again so there's just like so much they're so loaded for lebron at this point this is such an interesting juncture for him in his career and they might he might have a team that's good enough to win the championship like eight out of every 10 years but he's playing against a team who's that special that it's just not going to happen and that's another just non-starter you know so i, I pray that i look at this in a historical context as a very interesting point in the nba history
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think the Cavs will play better in game mm-hmm. two and beyond. I I think this. I don't I think we can kinda of toss this one out. I mean it's All right. I mean look, it's it's unfortunate they lost game one and that's gonna probably ultimately maybe cost them the series. But I I also think that there's not a ton to take away. Like I think the Cavs will play better. I think they'll make the difficult rotation and decisions that we've talked about out of a means for survival. I think they will play harder. You know, the problem though is that they've given away a game now, and you're gonna have one or two games where like the thun that the reason the Warriors are here when Curry and Thompson just make a ton of shots. And there's not much you can do about that. But I, I yeah. think they will play a lot better this series, and I still think this will be a long one. I don't know what yeah. you think, Pino.
1: No, I agree. I think guys like JR well, J.R. Smith specifically, I think that <laughs> he'll play much better in Cleveland. And uh I don't know. I thought, I thought Cleveland, you know, the game was played at their pace. Um, I thought they did a decent job in the half court defensively, given the deficiencies with personnel and, and length and athleticism that we already knew heading in. Uh, so if they, if they clean up, you know, the really boneheaded mistakes they made in transition, and they kind of get back to firing away from behind the three point line, which is the ultimate variable in this series for them. Totally. Uh, I think that they'll be in decent shape. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're going to win the series though. Huh.
0: So with that all being said, can I before we wrap this up, I need one adjustment for the Cavs from each of you next game that you got to see for them to win. Pray you can go first.
2: Uh, I think they need to put LeBron on Draymond for much longer hmm. and, that will again make it easier to play Fry, and I okay. think that will help them on both
0: ends. Got it, Pina. What do you want?
1: I, I just think Fry. I think I think Fry needs more minutes. I think I think he needs more minutes both in the uh, all bench LeBron unit and with Love on the floor. I think he'll make things easier for those guys offensively, and I, I understand the de- defensive issues that that presents. But I, I just think it's they they need to outscore this team to win.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping for it. I'm not going to make any adjustment predictions, guys, but what I am hoping for is a much more offensively, aesthetically pleasing game uh, in, uh, in game two. I think it will be. I think the jitters will be mostly gone, and I think the urgency will be there on the side of the Cavs that you kind of got to see a lot more of in that last. I think everything in game one for me was looked at through the lens of how crazy that last series was between Golden State and Oklahoma City. So now I've readjusted my vision uh, for this series, and I think that both teams will as well, uh, which should be an interesting leveling out. So, I'm just interested to see in general uh, what Kerr does to kind con- of combat what he assumes that Lou is going to do because I think you're right. You're going to see much more LeBron uh, defensively, really trying to lay his mark. And I bet he plays almost every single minute next game. So, that'll be fun, too. Um, but that's on Sunday. We'll come at you guys again on Monday. Not sure who's going to be joining us at that point. I know Prada will be here with me. Um, Pino, we enjoy uh-huh. having you on the pod. All the time, Oh, that 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 sigh right there by Praetis. Yeah, I'm, I'm so I'm so disappointed. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Joining us with limited enthusiasm. Wait, by,
2: Ben. By the way, can you give an update to the listeners on how your Achilles is doing, real quick? Oh yeah,
0: for sure. I want to any- hear hear about this. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm actually doing this from my closet because I'm in a two a day. Oh, what was that? Is there a horn in the background there? I'm doing two. Hey, wait, a day. wait, wait! That's perfect timing for you talking about an injury. <laughs> I know <laughs> the <laughs> ambulance horn in the background. I'll put a black eye on the podcast. <laughs> um, but no, we uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing two day uh, PT right now, like in the water and um, you know with with my physical therapist on the more like the weights and stuff, but I'm, I'm walking in two shoes and I'm, I'm, I don't know, well on my way to walking down the aisle in October when it only, when my fiance, uh asked me when I tore it, it wasn't like something to the effect of like, are you okay? Oh my God, where are you? It was like, you're going to be able to walk in October, right? <laughs> so uh, so that's
2: <laughs> that Understandable. I can, yeah, exactly. It's a big moment, I get it. Uh, yeah. In case you all didn't realize, Ben uh, tore his Achilles playing hoops <laughs> on the same night Mario Chalmers did. Yeah, 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 uh, in exactly. March. So yes. we're now about two and a half months, right? Maybe yes. almost
1: three months. Almost two months, yeah. Uh, and SB Nation did not waive you from the podcast, which no. is wonderful.
0: We're good people, I know. I'm I'm sitting on the bench uh, super fan right now. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. But uh, we actually did wave him, but we allowed him to use the facility. <laughs> yeah, so they, they moved me down to the other office, man. I'm I'm all the way down in Financial District now, on tip of the island. But uh, Very generous, yeah. So I did get to stay in Manhattan. It's nice of them. But uh, no, we uh, we always appreciate you coming on, Pina. Um, thank you for making the the early morning work here. I'm sure it's a beautiful sunny day in California.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And I will be going back to sleep right now.
0: <laughs> all right, <laughs> awesome, awesome, cool. Well, everyone can uh, can find us uh, at at limited underscore upside um the other thing i would like to say too is find us on itunes and soundcloud and all that stuff but most importantly review and rate us that's how we're going to get this uh, podcast up in the rankings and you'll be able to find us more excessively uh, uh, easily i should say on the uh, uh itunes sports podcast so that's important rate and review but uh stitcher SoundCloud, itunes all that good stuff uh until next time limited upside podcast